0: This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to ct startup
1: all right so we're continuing uh the CVG, uh you know uh, podcast series and we're here with uh paul singh of north american tech tour and results junkie how you doing paul
2: living the dream man
1: nice nice Mm -hmm. so tell us what dream you're living tell us about it
2: well so um for the last uh 10 years or so we've been just traveling a lot investing in companies um and and um helping entrepreneurs wherever we can uh for the first seven or eight years we did it on airplanes um You know quarter million miles a year Uh, got a lot of frequent flyer miles and then for the last 18 months maybe almost two years now um, we built an Airstream travel trailer and left Washington DC and we've lived in 86 cities now in 18 months Mm -hmm. and um, but we at our core we've never really changed what we do which is just finding and funding uh, the best entrepreneurs, wherever they might be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So you know, I got, I got to you know, having you in the room um, is is nice, and having the uh, tech tour coming around is that because like one of the big things in Connecticut is like we don't have investors, we don't have money. You know, the, the ah, startup. and and it, and it, well, and it's like it's like one of those kinds of things where um, one first. People shouldn't be thinking about necessarily investors. Thinking about your customer and trying to get product revenue. You know that's always one thing that yeah. we, we talk about. But um, but just talk about like the the you know the the VC game and people funding because it's like you mentioned something about like founders founding founders, right? Mm-hmm. So just just give us your your mentality about the whole funding game right now. Yeah,
2: I mean, look. Uh, for, well, first off, like cut me off if I'm rambling. No, right? no, no, no. no. <laughs> we like the <to laughs> ramble. And, yeah, and if especially <laughs> Eric. <laughs> And if you're listening to this, you better listen to this whole fucking thing. (laughs) All the good stuff will be interspersed throughout the whole thing. All right, so here's the thing. Um, If we were having this conversation 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have said to you that I think ambition is equally distributed around the world and that cash is not. That's what I would have said 10 years ago. Um, 10 years later, thousands of portfolio companies later, tens of thousands of founders later, what I can tell you is ambition is equally distributed around the world cash is easier to get, not easy, but easier to get. And we're going to come back mm-hmm. to that than ever. It's actually skills that are not equally distributed around the world. Okay. And those skills, what I mean by that is, is how do you use things like Facebook or Twitter or, or, uh, direct marketing or direct sales to get your first dollar revenue? How do you get that then and, and, and trade and, and then go to $10 and mm-hmm. then how do you go to a thousand dollars and all that? And so, So let's uh, now that I've set that up, let me answer your specific question around, you know, Connecticut people, entrepreneurs saying there's not enough money. Mm -hmm. That's a big load of bullshit. Because, like, (laughs) go look at the data. The fact is, like, when I first started investing in companies, you could count on one hand the number of micro-venture firms in the country. And that's, like, kind of loosely defined as the number of uh, firms that have less than $100 million. uh, I like how that's micro. That's micro, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, to put it into context, right, like, to put it into context, like, for the last 50 or 75 years a lot of the big innovations that we've had as a society have been hardware-based, right? Mm -hmm. Think of microcontrollers, transistors, chips, cars, things like that. They required multi-million dollar investments just to get started. And then all of a sudden, as the internet sort of permeated the country or began to permeate the country in the late 90s, all of a sudden the cost of starting a company dropped.
1: And then you have AWS where you don't have to have a server. Exactly, exactly.
2: So arguably... I, what I like to tell people is, I think 500 bucks today is the equivalent of $5 million 20 years ago.
1: Ooh, that's a, right? that, no, that's a scale down, right? Right,
2: because think about that. AWS, all that stuff. I mean, I remember, just to sound like an old dude here for a second, when I started <laughs> my first company in the late 90s, you had to have a relationship with a bank, uh, personally guaranteed char- against chargebacks and do deal with an eight-week uh, cash flow cycle, and then you would get those knuckle busters. You remember those, like, card slidey things? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Right? And then now, like, fast forward 20 years, 20 years. So so I, back then, I would go back, and I'd sell somebody something, swipe their card. I have to give them the product right away, but I might not get the money for the bank for, for eight weeks. Oh, Think about the th- cash th- flow th- on that, right? Yeah, no. You don't have to have an <laughs> MBA for that. Just, just <laughs> That figure doesn't it work. Out. That does not work. So, so now, fast forward. Like, you and I could go over to Starbucks and go get a square card reader and collect somebody's credit card in, in 30 seconds yeah that's unbelievable so like the barrier to entry in in, in entrepreneurship today is is really the entrepreneur's own willpower mm-hmm. all right so back to what you're saying about um uh money being hard to find I, you know look I, I i go off on all these like rants all the time um and tangents all the time but like here's the thing that really pisses me off i think people that complain i think entrepreneurs that complain about there not being enough money in their hometown are just fucking lazy <laughs> and, and hear me out here's why because like at the end of the day there are hundreds of venture firms in this country now there were there were like less than five micro firms mm-hmm. uh, in the in the in the late uh, 2000s you know like 2007 yep. 2008, 2010 um, I think if you look at the SEC right now like the filings yeah. for it there's north of 600.
1: So it's almost, it's almost like followed like the brew pubs, right? You yeah. Saw all these bunch of micro brew pubs popping yeah. up and everything. Now you got a bunch of micro VCs yeah. yeah. popping up. Yeah,
2: I mean, like, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this right now and you're like, you're like, yeah, man, there's not enough money around in Connecticut, right? Two things for you. Number one, if you can't start a company in Connecticut, moving to St. Louis or New York or San Francisco Isn't is gonna not going to help you. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's just not going to work. <laughs> this, the second thing is um, the question you have to stop asking yourself is, like, all these entrepreneurs are like, gosh, how do I get the local angel group to... Uh, invest, or how do I get the local VC firm to invest? Well, here, I got news for you. Nobody's a big deal in their hometown, ever. Okay. Nobody okay. is a big deal in their hometown. The question that smart entrepreneurs should be asking themselves is, what does it take to get on the radar of an investor 250 miles away? Because if you can do that, then don't be surprised if your local your local angel group finds you more interesting.
1: Right, and the local angels are actually almost looking for that. Right, they want to see that you get somebody else to say yes. I, yeah, mean, man. It, I mean, a it's lot y- of investors y- like that. I'll be the lead investor, or I'll put money in if you can pull everybody else in. Yeah, right? yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> that's that's
1: <laughs> that's another one. I that's guess. not even a lead, right? <laughs> but,
2: but but on that note, I don't even know that there is such a thing as a lead anymore mm-hmm. because like open to, open source. Ter- so in the old days, quote unquote old days, which is like five years ago in the world of entrepreneurship, in the old days, the reason you needed a lead is because somebody had to set the terms. Somebody had to like mm-hmm. uh, you know set the paper. The reality is that now in 2017, most of that paper is open sourced. You can use the 500 startups kiss notes. You can yep. use TechStars Series Seed. You can use YC Safe yep. Notes, and all you got to do is fill in the blanks. And you can fill in those blanks by using open source um, data, like I don't know if open source, but free data like AngelList valuations. Yep. Angel.co slash valuations, and go get the data and fill in the blanks. That's all you got to do. So I would argue that for rounds of less than a million and a half, entrepreneurs should not be looking for a lead. They should be doing rolling closes. Get somebody to yes, close the deal using off-the-shelf paperwork. That's all you got to do.
3: Yep, yep. And I just, I just want to say, I really appreciate you just being like, mo- leaving Connecticut's not going to make you more successful. Like, because we, you know, we have a real brain drain issue going on right now. And you know, I'll be like, well, I just can't do it here. And I'm just like, well, what makes you think you can do it somewhere else? You know, if you could do it here with all these issues, then you could probably do it anywhere. Trial by fire.
2: I mean, you know, it's uh, the thing I think a lot about is that, you know, I'm I'm 36 now. So, uh, you know, I think anybody that's around that age, what you kind of recognize is we're the last generation of people that lived pre-internet and Mm post-internet, right? And so for pre-internet growing up, um, entrepreneurship was defined as starting a construction company, starting a coffee shop, mm-hmm. doing... A you lifestyle know, par- business kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, part-time, uh, you know, bookkeeping. Um, side note, I hate lifestyle business, right? Because it's sort of... You know what? You know who drives all the Lambos and Ferraris in this country? It's all the people with those lifestyle businesses. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Seriously, man. We prefer to call them main street businesses, yeah. right? Because they're actually cash flowing. They, they count their money. They make their money. They're real businesses. All right, so that's pre-internet. That's what entrepreneurship was. When the internet came, all of a sudden, you decoupled place from how big you could be. Yeah. Right? So like, you know, if you're a if you're a coffee shop, well, you can only be as big as the number of people that drive by the coffee shop. If you're a construction company, you're only as big as the number of people within an hour that can buy a patio. But all of a sudden, if you can acquire some of your leads through the internet and or service some of your leads through the internet, you're a tech company and now you've decoupled your place from how big you could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's profound. Like that's what's going to that trend, maybe I'm not articulating it right, but whatever, that yeah. trend is what's going to lead to the rise of everywhere else. It's going to be like the only reason brain drain exists, honestly, like it, not only through Connecticut but like you know Ohio and everywhere else, is because like if if your entire economic development policy was built around this idea of let's bring Caterpillar, let's bring Sikorsky, let's bring all these mm-hmm. big ass companies to town, well, there will be brain drain if those companies are not hiring, yeah. right? So so what we really have to be thinking about now is is. Um, yeah, cool, bring those companies or whatever, but let's not bet our city's futures on it. Our city's futures throughout the United States are going to be directly correlated to the entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reality is that these entrepreneurs are, um, like, it doesn't matter where they're at. Like, I actually don't know where my attorney lives. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> our attorney, I, I actually do not know where he lives. And then a few weeks ago, uh, I got an email from him when one of the hurricanes was hitting um, New York and and uh, he was like, "Hey man, I'm gonna be offline for a couple of days. There's a hurricane coming." I was like, "Rob, where the hell do you live anyway?" He's like, "Oh, I'm in Tampa." I'm like, no shit. <laughs> He's like, "Oh
1: man, I thought you were in, in, in yeah, California." Yeah, I mean,
2: you know, and and I would argue anybody listening to this right now, right? Like, think about some of the people that you deal with online. Mm-hmm. Do you even know where they live? Because no,
3: yeah. yeah, no. I mean, that's a that's a good point. I mean, I I work with contractors, and you know, one of my guys is in Chicago, one of them is in Albany, and it's like. I see them maybe once a year if I'm lucky because they're also my friends. But it's like, I can just work with you every day and never actually have to be in the same room. And it it, it decentralizes. And
2: and think about what we're doing right now. We're sitting, like, you know, the four of us are sitting in this room at whatever fucking place this is. (laughs) Quinnipiac. Why is everything hard to say in Connecticut? I don't get it. (laughs) uh, So, but, like, here we are, like, in 2017, we're sitting here and recording something that actually... Can be listened to anywhere. Yeah. If we were doing this 15 years ago, we'd have to know a guy who'd know a guy who could get us a studio at a radio station. And,
1: and, and we'd have to be so clean about it and and you know follow the rules and stop here, stop there. Right, uh, exactly, right? Exactly. Like yep. so, so
2: just think about I mean that's just so fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Like mm-hmm. like the internet kills all gatekeepers. The internet yeah. kills all middlemen. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's done. That's why we're podcasting yep. now. That's yep. why like you're seeing software companies grow so fast being located in the quote-unquote, air-quote, middle yeah. of nowhere.
1: Yeah, you have a WordPress that has a small office, or automatic, right? A small office, and all their other people are around, around the world. All right, cool. So uh, one thing I kind of want to dive deep into too is that you know you talk about the ambition. It's um, you know it's kind of evenly spread across the world. You got the um, you know capital is easy to find or you know money's easy to get. But the skill set that was something that you kind of touched on with that's the hard thing to do. The and to me what I heard was that the execution is hard. The, the you got an idea, you got you got a problem you're going to solve, but the execution to even do that that seemed, is, is, did, I, did yeah, I read you yeah, right or yeah? Or well, let me like,
2: um, let me maybe set it up a little bit with some context. And again, I feel bad for whoever's editing this. Cause, like, <laughs> you know, Me, yeah, Uh, so so here's the thing, right? Okay, so so when I was growing up, um, all right, so if you're listening to this, right, like just for a second, close your eyes and and imagine what an entrepreneur looks like. Uh, and when I was growing up, an entrepreneur was somebody that like was wearing an expensive suit, honestly, was probably white, probably had a bunch of gray hair, went to a fancy school, had some rich friends, and then by default, it became easy for them to like go do some visionary genius. Mm Whatever thing, um, and 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 um, for me, you know, I got an internship at America Online really early. Believe it or not, like twenty years ago, I was making patios and selling cars, okay. and um, I got an internship at America Online, and I remember like. Uh, um, reading about Steve Case, you know, mm. on on the website, or what do you call it, like the magazines. The, the, Back yeah, then you okay. go to yeah, 7-Eleven yeah. and yeah. see all, like, the magazines, right? And he'd be in these, like, expensive suits, and he'd, you know, um, genius, visionary, whatever. And I remember going and hanging out at AOL, Now, just to be very clear, like, Steve's, like, the man, and I'm, yeah. like, on the bottom of the totem pole, and then you go to take the elevator to the basement, right? It's, like, that's <laughs> where I was. So it's not like we're buddy-buddy, right? Yeah. I'm just, like, the cheap, free intern moving trash around the data center. So, anyway... Um, But what was really fascinating to me was like I walked in the door at AOL thinking about, gosh, these people are going to be in suits, they're going to be smart, they're going to be geniuses, they're going to be everything. And I remember walking into AOL and and being like, gosh, these guys are just – they're not smarter than anybody else. They don't even pretend to be smarter than anybody else. They just try a lot more stuff. (laughs) They just they try a lot more stuff, yeah. And so it was like about iterating and testing, and, and like, and that was a really profound thing for me because it really shattered all of those mental models, those invisible scripts that I had. Because I wasn't rich, I wasn't white, I didn't have gray hair, I didn't have expensive mm-hmm. clothes. I mean, we were immigrants, right? So, okay, so that's that's the setup to your question. Now, now, uh, in terms of skills, I think in terms to just to make this concept really simple, I think you have to divide it into like two layers. There are the entrepreneurs. That have not yet gotten to their first dollar of revenue, mm-hmm. and then there's the entrepreneurs that have. I think uh, what those two groups of entrepreneurs need is very different. So this is what okay. going back to the yep, question okay. around like the skills not being equ- equally distributed. I think for the entrepreneurs that have not hit a dollar of revenue, what they need to do is they need to hear from other people. Like I don't. I think there should be like. Community speaker events where we bring in successful founders, and we just honestly, we just say, "What did you do to get to your first customer?" And I think more people need to hear those stories mm-hmm. because, from my perspective, a lot of those stories really are about, "Hey, man, I tried a lot of stuff; it failed most of the time. Here's how, I, then, then finally, here's how I got my first customer." And I
1: talked to 200 people, and yeah. I, after every yeah. conversation, I said, "Will you buy? Yeah. would you take yeah. this?" Yeah, and you it's know? just
2: it's about just showing these people that like the, the that those other successful entrepreneurs they read about weren't geniuses that in most cases they're not like they don't even pretend to be smarter than anybody else but they do try a lot more and i think yeah. so for for entrepreneurs that have uh, no revenue yet i think they need to hear from more people that can tell them their stories okay then now for the entrepreneurs that have gotten a dollar of revenue i think what they need is 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 to hear from people that have um Successfully, like, kind of, grown the business to the next level because what you need to get your first dollar is is definitely different than what you need to get to your next dollar. So, like, I'll tell you in our portfolio, we have companies in places like Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, Pittsburgh, and stuff like that. These are companies where we've invested in them when they have like you know a thousand or two thousand or three thousand dollars a month in revenue, and now a year later. Those companies are doing anywhere between like, uh, like for one of the companies, are doing like sixty thousand a month in revenue. The other one's doing one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a month in revenue. Here's the challenge: they've tapped out all of the functional expertise in their towns, right? So yeah. I'm not going to make yep. a dig. This is yeah. not what I'm about to say is not a dig against Pittsburgh or Sioux Falls, but like, for example, both of these companies are kind of online, right? Yep. And so you know that company in Sioux Falls, they need to figure out how to double their revenue. Now they're already at you know almost six figures of revenue the functional expertise that they need like like is just not there. Yeah. And so traditionally in the in the past I should say not traditionally in the past prior to the internet for a company to then break through that plateau you'd either have to like start hiring people from the outside and move them to town or you'd move the company to outside of town else, yeah. right? But now the internet comes in and people like us exist. And so we actually just like buy a plane ticket for like some of our smartest, you know, limited partners and co-investors and just say, "Hey, go hang out there." Just go yeah. hang out there for a day. Right,
1: and see and see what that comes and uh, and help those guys with their
2: sales pipeline, and it it's, it may not sound like a lot, but like it's really about importing functional expertise mm-hmm. that doesn't already exist natively in that in that in that community, right? Um,
1: and then and then that functional expertise kind of helps that team become you know. Uh, strengthen their ability right you bring them in and you actually say you, you bring them in you you basically say listen this is what i know i can do but now we need to teach your team to be able to do it or are you yeah. saying that they need that functional kind of you know skill set all the time
2: Um, I think what you need throughout the life cycle of your company changes. Yep. Right? And so, like, you know, from the outside, Connecticut's kind of, uh, like, the reason we're here is because, like, we couldn't figure out what was happening. Mm -hmm. Because, like, from the outside, you know, and you guys can laugh at me all you want, but, like, from the outside, when you look at that map of New England, basically the bottom half of New England is New York City and the top half is is all Boston. Yeah. And so we're like, well, surely there's got to be more up there. And so we're like, let's go park our trailer up there and go hang out Mm -hmm. for a week and, 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 and try to meet as many people as we can. Now. Three days into visiting Connecticut, I don't know that I've ever seen something that's like, okay, so on the, uh, let's talk about pros and cons yep. and like I'll probably yeah, never no, invite you back let's to Connecticut. It. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> All right. So, okay, so Connecticut is like super small, which is cool. Like you can get almost anywhere with an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Right? Easily. Uh, and yet so fragmented.
1: Mm-hmm. We, we, we have fiefdoms and it's unbelievable. 169, it's, 169 yeah, yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. So now the the, 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 the reality is that's kind of like everywhere else. Right? Mm -hmm. But um, it's really fascinating to me that, like, all of the local entrepreneurs aren't thinking bigger. Like, you know, it's interesting. So here we are uh, in, how do you say this place again?
1: Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac.
2: Q. So we're
3: out here. <laughs> they, by the way,
1: they do all the polls for like you know like like uh, political stuff. So, <laughs> so like,
2: okay. So um, all right. So I'm never going to get invited back here, but whatever. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like we're doing office hours in the next room over yep. here, and there must be like 12 tables around there, mm-hmm. and like maybe I don't know, 11 of them are like the local service providers and the local investors or whatever, <laughs> and I'm sure they're very nice people. But what the fuck? Like these entrepreneurs need to stop like worrying about what every local investor or startup provider needs. I, I would guarantee you 85% of the questions going on in that room, this, is, by the way, is not unique to Connecticut. This is an everywhere yes. thing. Like, I'm only talking to the entrepreneurs in this room or uh, listening to this right now. Is it like, like, you remember when you were growing up and your mom was like, there's no such thing as a dumb question. There okay. are dumb questions. Yeah. In 2017, <laughs> your mother is wrong. Everything's <laughs> a fucking dumb question. You know what? Because like you can Google 85% of Yes. Them. Uh, you should stop asking what every service provider thinks you should do. You should stop asking what investor thinks you should do. What you should be doing is, is um, using them as tools. And all your questions should be about sales. So, for example, here, I'll give you an example. The wrong way to talk to an investor or to a lawyer or to a whatever the fuck all those people do over there is to say, uh, hey, I do this thing, and what do you think of my thing? And the widget's green, and what do you think of a green widget or whatever? It's the worst like it drives me bonkers. Like I've been banging <laughs> on this table across, uh, you know, across the hallway. Yep, yep. Um, that is the worst. Now, the best way for me to then explain to you the right way to do it is to give you an example. The best way for you to use your time with any investor, whether it's like, you know, in the bathroom, which is a bad idea, but I can't tell you how yeah, many times yeah, you, yeah, I, I get I pitched assume, at the urinal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it drives me nuts. But anyway, <laughs> the best way to use any interaction is to say, "Hey, listen, uh, you see a lot more deals, a lot more companies, a lot more entrepreneurs than I do. Uh, for example." We uh, tried a Facebook ad campaign to go get leads for X, and we saw a conversion rate of Y. Is that kind of on track with what you're seeing across the portfolio? Is that industry
1: standard? Yeah, yeah.
2: right? You need to think of investors uh, or or service providers or whatever as information providers, not opinion providers. Mm -hmm. And I think more entrepreneurs should learn to extract information, not waste time looking for opinions.
3: So kind of stick with the facts. Stick with the hard numbers. Yeah. And you were talking about thinking bigger, thinking, you know, not just about locally, like what are you seeing across your portfolio? Is this how do I fare?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I I think, yes, short answer, yes. But I think for any of the entrepreneurs listening to this, I think if you were honest with yourself, if you were really honest with yourself and really introspective with yourself and you ask yourself, why am I not getting to the next level? Mm -hmm. If as long as you're honest with yourself and you're being truthful with yourself and and, and all that, uh, you have to admit that like you're the one holding yourself back.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you can't blame somebody else. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you can't
2: blame the local angel group for not giving you a meeting. You can't blame the local attorney for mm-hmm. whatever. What you got to do is ask yourself, like, like for example, today, the Techstars demo day is being live streamed. Mm-hmm. Well, look, if, you, if you're listening to this and you think you might want to raise money the next year, you should be watching that live stream. You should watch the Y Combinator live stream. You should watch the 500 Startups live yeah. stream. And you know what? Uh, you don't have to, it doesn't matter. You could be watching it from a beach in the Bahamas. You could be watching it from Quinnipiac. Yeah. And then guess what? You can also watch
1: it tomorrow because it's recorded and it doesn't matter. Exactly. It's like, it's not not a time thing, you know? Yesterday,
2: somebody came into office hours and they were like, what do you think of my pitch deck? I was like, I cannot believe you would come in here. Like they drove an hour and a half to come to office hours. I was like, you burned that much gas to come say that? (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Oof. Oof.
1: But but you need
3: that brutality a little bit. We need that honesty. Well, you
2: know what? Like You know what holds entrepreneurs back across the country? Okay, so first of all...
1: Coddling? uh, Well, no, no, no. (laughs) If
2: it was coddling, they'd be better. So first of all, I do believe that entrepreneurs hold themselves back. But I think what investors and mentors do across this country is they do something called grin-fucking. And grin-fucking is when you say, that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's really cool. Let's stay in touch. Oh, you know what you ought to do? You should do X, right? And it's well-intentioned. But it's ridiculous because what entrepreneurs of today need is they need access to recent information, not breadth mm-hmm. of information. Yep. So if you're an entrepreneur, like don't take advice from somebody that's like been in the industry for 40 years. That doesn't mean anything. You're trying to acquire customers today, and you need to talk to somebody that acquired customers using those tactics or techniques or platforms last week.
1: Yeah, it was. I will have to say is that one of the things um, you know uh, that frustrates me sometimes about uh, you know networking events and going out and doing is one a lot of service providers right saying those same things you should do this you should do that doing the whole you know grin fucking I guess you can say um, but then also <laughs> it's, it's all it's also uh, I love the people who have been in the industry who get on the platform and say it's you, you got to go back to the roots you got to go back to how it was done how it was done I mean I've literally been at a few events where these people get on the the platform and they go and they go and it's just like oh, yeah. God, like, and you—you have to get them off. And so it's one of those things where um, a lot of people do want to get the tried and true, but things are moving way too quickly to get the tried and true. It's like you have to test as much as possible.
2: Absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the sort of disclaimers I should have said at the beginning, by the way, is that I don't pretend to like—I don't even pretend to know that like what I'm doing is right. But what I know, um, we need. Like having met so many entrepreneurs and funded so many entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. across the country and the planet now. Is it like what we, what we don't, what the world doesn't need is another, uh, advice giver. The world doesn't need another mentor. It doesn't need another investor. What it needs is like, um, to just tell the truth to entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and, and to say that like in 2017, there are no gatekeepers. Yeah. There really aren't. I mean, I, I, I cannot stress enough that like back in the day you needed 5 million bucks to get off the ground. If yeah. not five million, you needed like a rich uncle that could give you a hundred thousand bucks because you'd have to buy newspaper ads and trade shows and get a phone bank and all this other stuff, right? But today you can use things like Twilio or Grasshopper, yep. whatever. I mean, it's literally less than a hundred bucks to get started.
3: Well, and to go back to what you said earlier, I mean, I started my company a year ago with five hundred dollars, and I'm gonna do sixty grand in revenue this year. It's yeah. not, you know, mind blowing, but I didn't need a five million dollar loan to get started. Yeah. I, there's a lot of free tools. There's a lot of information it's a hustle, it's a grind, but you know, you do it. And I think that goes back to where you're talking about the skills and persistence and just sticking with it.
2: Yeah. You know, one of the things I also think uh, that a lot of entrepreneurs get hung up on is that a lot of people think that entrepreneurship is risky and that, whatever the alternative to entrepreneurship is, is not risky. I, I think the opposite is true. So the analogy I always use is like, let's just say I had a hypothetical twin brother and let's just say he worked at Sikorsky or mm-hmm. something and was making hundred grand. Let's just use hundred grand as a round number, right? Okay, so let's say he works there for a year, he's making hundred G's and then let's say he kills it at that job. Like he's doing so good at that job, right? What's the max raise he can get? 3%? Yeah, statistically it'll be 3%. <laughs> now, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to be a smartass and you're listening to this, yeah, he could switch to like some other job and maybe make a, Get a little 10 or 20% or, 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 or what, whatever, know. right? It'll be a lateral move. Yeah. But you, realistically, you can't do that every year. So it'll really be an average of about 3 to 5% mm-hmm. per year. So so if you think about that, oh, and and he could be canned at any time for something that he didn't even do, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so now think about that from a bracket standpoint. Low end of the bracket is zero. High end of the bracket is 100K plus plus. 3%-ish, yeah. yeah. okay? All right, now on the entrepreneur side, I don't care whether you sell patios, widgets, part-time bookkeeping, whatever. Now, your downside, if you don't sell anything, it's zero. You're the same. You're the same as, like, you know, my hypothetical brother. I that can still did. get a
1: job. And yep. I can.
2: <laughs> but your upside is theoretically unlimited. Yes. Right? Because you could be sitting here. Let's just use the part-time bookkeeping thing. Let's say you're an accounting major at... Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Whatever. God damn it. All right, So so, like... Uh, like, let's just say you're an accounting major from this university or whatever other overpriced university is up here. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, you don't have to, like, leave town to find an accounting job in a cubicle. You could if you wanted to. If you wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to live by the water over in Groton because uh, I just like to have a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what, I'm going to have eight part-time uh thousand dollar a month bookkeeping contracts with people around the country. Because bookkeeping's bookkeeping. Is, is
1: bookkeeping yeah. Right? Quick so books now you makes make it a, easy.
2: Yeah, you're making a hundred K a year living on the water out in Groton or whatever. I don't even know if that's a lot of money or yeah. a little bit of money. But the reality is, like, you can do that. And now you don't it doesn't matter where whether or not there's a local employer mm-hmm. in town. What matters is do you have the drive? Do you have the skills to go market yourself online? Yep. Do you have the knowledge of how to gather your to collect money online? Mm-hmm. Right? And those are the skills I'm talking about. Yep. Right? Like, like, I wish, I was talking to one of the professors here in the entrepreneurship program, and I was saying, so I, I went to George Mason, and I was a CSEE. You know, kind of double there. And anyway, I remember at the last quarter or last semester or whatever we had a program called eCE four ninety one that you had to take, and it was really just resume writing for a mm-hmm. whole <laughs> semester right? mm-hmm. and and like I get why we have to teach resume writing. I mean this is like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Right? I get why we have to teach resume writing. I just hope and I wish that in two thousand and seventeen and beyond that that class that's probably offered at every university around the country, Half of it was about resume writing, and half of it was about how to like Go be to an independent something. contractor. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? Because right? resume writing implies that you will be in a full-time employee somewhere. You're going to have a W-2. You're going to have all that stuff, yeah. right? And then, But but like contracting, let's just teach them what that means. What does it mean to be a contractor? Go
1: sell yourself. Yeah. Go sell what you and, can do.
2: And by the way, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can use online tools like FreshBooks or Mint or QuickBooks to do your billing. You can use uh, online tools like... Uh, uh, um, uh, Squarespace or whatever, to make yep. your one page website. You could use Facebook. I mean, you get it, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the skills I'm talking about that I wish more people thought about.
1: Yeah. Everybody right now is a business of one. Anyways, whether you're, whether again, you're selling yourself to a company, whether you're doing this, well, or that's, you're doing that. that's I mean, the that's,
2: future, man. Yeah. I mean, I think the uh, gig I, was, economy. I, I was listening to somebody here. Uh, one of the ac- research academic, uh, academic guys here was like, you know, ha- I think he was saying a third of all the people that walked, you know, walked for the- me,
1: all right, cool. So, uh, so I definitely want to get a little bit of actionables for some of these uh um, entrepreneurs talking to investors. And by the way, I, I have to point out is that uh, Paul's been like closing deals and basically stuff like on the podcast. He's like y- using his phone to do this on, on AngelList. Yeah, cool. we're, clo- so, we're closing so, so so I deals like, right I, now. <laughs> I, I, I actually think it's like very, you know, uh, <laughs> timely that you're talking about doing all this stuff and you're, you know, you're not being rude. You're just closing deals. I get it. Um, so yeah, l- let Illinois, th-
2: Indiana, and Virginia today. <laughs> nice from nice. Connecticut. Perfect.
1: Yeah, look at that. You wow, know, the power the of the internet. <laughs> Live in the future. So, uh, so give us some actionables about some, you know, what can entrepreneurs do uh, to wow an investor, to get in front of an investor, and what are you looking for when they're actually, you know, pitching you?
2: Yeah, okay, so... I'm going to just pedal my own shit yeah. for here so, yeah. for a second. So this question comes up everywhere. And, um, <laughs> it's believe a generic f- question. Yeah. And, you know, it's understandable <laughs> because, like, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they worry a lot about financing risk, right? Like, how do I raise that money? Do I want to raise money? Yeah. If I do raise money, where do I do it? How do I do it? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Um, so, like, the reality is, believe it or not, is that investors are very predictable, all of us. Uh, and that's primarily because we, we have to be financially driven. So like yeah. you know, it's just gotta it, be conservative-minded. So I, I wrote an email course on this called Fundraising for Startups. So if you go to resultsjunkies.com, you'll see it on the left side there. Just click it, put in your email, and then you can hit reply and tell me I'm full of shit. Uh, <laughs> and if you do that, I will block you. And then you will never, never talk, talk again. to you again. You're yeah, done So fuck you. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> no. But I, I wrote this. I mean, it's like seriously, like it's a month of content that just keeps coming out. Mm-hmm. And like if you just take the time to read it, like I broke it up into like daily chunks so that you could read it because it's really not that hard. Like seriously, if an immigrant bricklayer that learned how to speak English watching the A-team can figure it out, Mm -hmm. you can too. All right, so that's that. So go sign up for that and that's like the way you'll really learn it. Um, But if you're listening to the podcast and you want to figure this out, uh, you know, a couple things I can tell you right off the bat. Um, Like I'm sitting here and I just got an email from somebody and I won't throw them under the bus, but this is literally what the subject line says. It says, big idea from a frustrated millennial. What the fuck is that?
1: Is that, is that supposed to be like it, to, to grab your attention, kind of a thing? I, I, like, I, I mean, I guess,
2: I guess, like, I know, like, I don't even know who this is, right? But it's like, okay, I, I get that you're having a tough day or whatever, but w- investors have what's called fiduciary duty. And fiduciary duty basically means that you have to make the best decision. You have to make your decision in the best interest of the money, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, okay, fiduciary duty check number one, big idea. Oh, can't do that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I mean, I need mean, I mean a skill. Yeah. Because it's
2: 2017. Like, here's the thing. From, from uh, um, In 2017, the, remember how we were talking about how the cost of entrepreneurship went down to like oh. nearly zero? The reality is that now you're not competing. Whenever you talk to an investor, you're not competing with just the deals that they see. You're, you're competing with the deals that are happening globally that week. And I'm going to say something that's going to sound like a joke, but I, it's half serious, half a joke. To, to raise money from an investor, you have to be the least worst thing they've heard in whatever given time period they tend to do deals in. So for us, you just need to be the least worst thing we've heard in a given week. And we're going to do the deal.
3: That I mean, it sounds like a joke, but it also makes a lot of sense. It makes like, a lot of sense, yeah. right?
2: Because like, if I knew who the unicorns were going to be, if I knew who the big companies were going to be, I sure as hell wouldn't be living in a trailer every week. You, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Like, it I makes it don't...
3: sound like he's living in a trailer park. It's a very <laughs> nice airstream. <laughs> that thing's dope. <laughs> it's, it's
2: not. It's not bad. Uh, but you know, like the, the the thing is though, is that I I think people need to stop seeing investors as gatekeepers or idea pickers, and rather see them as fast followers of traction. Okay. And so, so you know, the thing about it is, like, again, go, 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 sign up for the email course if you want. Um, But the truth of it is, or the punchy part of this is that most entrepreneurs worry about the financing risk. How do I raise money? Who do I do it from? What do the terms look like? Where does the money go? Yada, yada, yada. And those are all real concerns. But what the investor is worried about is sales risk. Yeah. Can they sell this thing to one person they don't know? If no, uh oh. If yes. Okay, well, are there 100 more people like that or a million more people like that? Yep. Because 100 more people like that is, is uh, a Main Street kind of deal. Uh, and, and if there's like a million more people like that or 100,000 more people like that, yeah, that could be an investment-sized deal. Uh, let me just say this, by the way. All of it, all of the people that are reading this right now or are listening to this right now, if you um, are kind of like at the early part of your entrepreneurial career, whether you've started something or you think you might want to start something, you know, one of the most interesting blog posts I ever read that really like influenced how I thought about this stuff it's called One Thousand True Fans.
1: Oh, Kevin Kelly's got to love it. Gotta yeah, love it. and you
2: know he basically argues, and I, I, you can read it, but like he basically argues that if you, if there are a thousand people that will buy what you make, mm-hmm. you're gonna make a hundred grand a year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, and he comes from the artist perspective, yeah, right? For, yeah, as yeah. an artist, you can make money. It's like it's tangible, yeah. it's practical, yeah. you can do it, right? But again, as a, as a, an entrepreneur too, is that I mean, depending on how big your product is, I mean, some yeah. are, like I mean, for my company, right? One of our pro- our lowest end product is six thousand dollars. So if we get find a thousand people that buy that. You product, That's I mean that's huge right I mean so that's that's exactly right and you know again the word of mouth is always the biggest thing with with spreading stuff you know that's the best way to to sell yourself so it's again that Uh, thousand people right
2: absolutely like I'll just kind of I know I know we're running short on time so let me just kind of say one more thing about this which is a lot of advice that will be given to entrepreneurs is hey go go put out a lean startup or go put out an MVP or whatever that means right my advice to you is, is if you feel strongly about something, sure, go do that. Go make your MVP or go whatever, right? But if you don't have that yet, right? Start by building an audience, right? Go go to free services like like actually, my friend Noah Kagan uh, oh, made yeah, this the, free the email s- he, his email yeah, list. Go yeah. uh, SumoMe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, go. He's got this other thing called Email One kcom mm-hmm. uh, um, You know, like go sign up for that and and just do the work and get a thousand people on your email list by the end of the month right? Do the work. Don't, I mean, you can buy whatever he's selling too, but like just do the work that comes in, get a thousand people on your email list. And then over time, what happens is your email list is your insurance policy. Mm. That is so like, I wish more people talked about that because like every time you have an idea, right? Mm -hmm. You hit that email list. Yep. If you get laid off from your job, you hit that email list. Mm -hmm. Right? So I don't care if you're like into like competitive crocheting or like, I don't know, like outsourced, audio podcast editing or whatever, yeah. like go make a fucking email list and profit.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was, it was actually kind of funny because uh, you know I definitely follow Noah. I've seen all that kind of stuff. It's great. I mean, email list and Chris, if i t- uh, talked about it, definitely a big thing. I mean, yeah. it's actually uh, interesting. I was listening to uh, uh, Ryan Holiday's Perennial Seller, yeah. right? His new one. He was saying like, I built a, my email list just yeah. to get people uh, yeah. recommendations, and then he sold his, you know, yeah. this week buy my book. Yeah, and my, boom, you know, it was kind
2: of, my, my challenge to everybody listening to this right now is is if you've got an idea in your head or you've got like a small product that you're working on, on the side or whatever, that's cool. I would challenge you to do whatever it takes to get to 1000 bucks a month in revenue within 30 days of listening to this. And if you do that, I want you to email me, paul at resultsjunkies.com, and tell me what you need to get to $10,000 a month. All right? So, again, you better listen to me because if you email me at $900 a month, <laughs> I would <find laughs> be to a destroy listen. you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but email me when you hit $1,000 a month. Tell me exactly what you think you need to get to $10,000 a month, and I'll find a way to make it happen. Right? Sometimes that's money. Sometimes it's connecting you with somebody. But go do that. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you want to see me like rant, oh, we don't have time for it today. But like, like you know, this whole Amazon HQ2 thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Such bullshit, man. Oh I wrote God. a blog <laughs> post around this the other day. Here's the thing. The country does not need 50,000 more high-paying jobs from one employer. What it needs is 50,000 more people that are taught or learned the skills of making 1000 bucks a month on the side. That's what
3: the yeah. country needs. I, I think that's like a perfect place to end. And I love I love
1: how you, you ended it with a challenge. So uh, so we're going to definitely highlight that challenge. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for being uh, open and honest. I, we love it. And um, we hope to uh, be able to reconnect again.
2: Thanks for having me, man.
0: Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. Finally, we would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Murtha Kalaina for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.